Welcome to the Kids Yoga Podcast, the place for all things kids yoga. My name is Jessica Mujis, and welcome to the show. I'm excited to be continuing my Kids Yoga Perspective series this week with my guest Margot Harris. And we're going to be discussing not only her experience and her perspective as a kids yoga teacher, but we're also going to be discussing our current situation in the world in a global pandemic and how she's navigating that both as a human and as a kids yoga teacher. But before we get to that, I just want to give you guys a little bit of her background. Margot is a certified children's yoga and mindfulness teacher based on Long Island, New York, with a background in early childhood education. She taught as a classroom teacher for over 10 years. In 2015, she left the classroom to pursue teaching yoga and mindfulness to children as a full-time independent contractor. She's honored to work with Yogi Beans and Little Flower Yoga, providing school-based programming and enrichment. She mentors new children's yoga teachers and has led professional development for hundreds of educators. Additionally, Margot teaches in schools across Long Island and in parts of Brooklyn and Queens under her own budding brand, Calm Cookie Kids Yoga. As well as schools, she's taught at Lifetime Athletics, World Gym, The Nesting Place, a supportive community for mothers, local libraries, family services, and with private clients. She serves children as young as six weeks, all the way up through high school. Margot is certified through Little Flower Yoga, Yogi Beans, Trauma-Informed Teaching from United We Om, and Baby Yoga and Development from Karma Kids Yoga. She holds a Bachelor of Arts in Early Childhood Education, and a Master's of Science in Literacy Education. A graduate with honors from SUNY Cortland and Long Island University at CW Post, she always knew that teaching was her calling. Margot, welcome to the show. Hey, Jessica. Thank you so much for having me. I am beyond excited. I'm so glad you're here. I know we've been trying to do this a while, and before (laughs) we started recording, I was saying, that who knew that we'd be recording under these circumstances, but um, I really am excited to have you on um, and to learn about you. So, so I guess we'll, let's start at the beginning. So can you tell me what brought you to kids yoga in the first place? Yeah. um, Well, I'm going to start with, you know, just how I found yoga in general. Um, I was a really anxious kid, just like a worry ward, you know, just shy. I had lots of headaches all the time. I had lots of body tension, but it was never really like diagnosed as anything. I I don't know if that makes sense completely, but like I was a Mm -hmm. child of the early eighties and then, you know, a kid in the the nineties. And I feel like anxiety and worry just maybe wasn't talked about in the same way as it is now. Um, but I had lots of that, lots of big feelings and, um, not a whole lot of, uh, sort of outlets, I guess, for getting some of those out aside from dancing and a few other things. Um, but then I was in the middle of a final exam in my first year at college and I had a full blown panic attack and I had never had one before. Um, 
and here I am, I'm in this final exam. And all of a sudden my body shuts down. I just completely freeze. I'm becoming shaky and sweaty and I like lost my breath and I had clenched fists and like, it felt like a million years was going by, even though I knew that like time was standing still like weirdly. Um, and maybe like 30 seconds to a minute went by and I just wasn't moving, but clearly I was giving off some kind of energy because the total stranger next to me, um, was like, Hey, are you okay? (laughs) Uh, and I, couldn't even respond to them. I, I was just kind of like, uh, I looked over at him and he's just like, okay, I think you might be having a panic attack. Again, a phrase I really had never heard before. And so I felt like I didn't even have a choice, but to just like let this guy talk to me. Um, he was just like, I've had one of these before. It's going to be okay. Just like, see if you can unclench your fists. And so like, I was just basically like a toddler. I felt like I was, um, taking directions from this total stranger, but I, I, I felt like I had no other choice. So I started listening. And then he was like, all I want you to do is put your hand on your heart and start breathing. See if you can feel your breathing. Um, and so again, things I had never heard about before. And so I did that. Um, and after, you know, a few rounds of breathing and just like, I don't know. My body just started to calm. The tension started to release. I was able to unclench my fists, you know, and I was so embarrassed by the whole ordeal that probably only lasted like two minutes, but I like thanked the guy quick and then just got about my finishing my exam. Anyway, afterward, I, I apologized to him. I was like, thank you so much for being cool and like stopping your exam to like chat with me, whisper, whispering to me. Um, and he, I was just like, how did you, how did you figure all that out? Like, was that, just, did that just come to you? And he's like, no, I do yoga. Like kind of just like, oh, I do yoga. I was like, oh, okay. Like, oh, wow. I don't know what that is. Um, he's like, yeah, yeah. You know, you, you learn breathing and all this cool stuff. And he was just, uh, once the test was over, he was like really animated in his speech. And, um, he was just like, you know, you could take yoga here in school. And so I wound up signing up for yoga the next semester. And, um, yeah, I mean, like it does to so many kids, yoga teachers or yoga teachers, right. It just completely changes you. Um, and, uh, it was one of those things where I thought, all right, I'm going to go and take this class. And I didn't really have a ton of expectation, but it, it blew my mind. I just, I couldn't get over the physical and emotional impact that it had on me. Um, and I know that when I was reading about, um, your bio and then listening to your first couple of podcasts, I think you've referenced it a few times, just having a dance background and it was the same for me. And so I assumed like, all right, I'm used to this sort of like outward physical expression where like we're asked to look pretty and take up space and perfection and pointed toes. Right. And all that stuff that I resonated so deeply with when I listened to you say it. Um, and I just felt like, this is going to be similar to that in some ways. You know, when I did my little bit of research about the class, I was like, all right, this will be similar. And it was um, almost nothing like, I mean, literally nothing like Mm -hmm. it. And it was like, um, yes, it was a physical expression, but it had nothing to do with the outside. And that was just so foreign to me. Uh, It was, it was nothing but going inward. And even though, yes, you're moving your body through asana and, and, I don't know. I just felt like I was taking up space no longer on the outside, but taking up space on the inside, if that makes sense. Just like taking up space in my own heart, you know, and my own knowing yeah. and awareness. And, um, it was just gorgeous, beautiful discomfort. <laughs> That's kind of how I've mm-hmm. always 
describe yoga. Um, when people ask me why I do it or, or whatever, it's like that beautiful discomfort. I, I, it taught me to learn to love my body and listen to it in ways that I, as a dancer or as a, just as a person, I never used to do. I didn't ask myself how I was doing or what I needed. Um, I didn't check in with my body or notice that my breathing was giving me information about how I was doing or notice tension. Like these were all very new things. Um, and so that was kind of how I found yoga or yoga found me, I guess. Um, and then as far as kids yoga goes, you know, as I, as you mentioned in my bio, I, I was a classroom teacher when I graduated years later, I, I became a teacher and I taught early childhood for a long time. And I would just always use, um, some of the various coping skills that worked for me and my anxiety, breath work, movement and stuff like that with my kids, but mostly when they were upset or stressed. And so like in the beginning, when I started teaching, I was like, all right, I'm going to use some yoga tools with the kids that are in my classroom. And it was well received. It helped. It worked. And it kind of like this light bulb went off in my head. I was like, okay, you know, this, this is interesting. Maybe I can do this. That isn't just part of helping kids that are dealing with current stress. Maybe this could be a way of like keeping them from having stress. Um, and so I started adding it to my weekly routine with my students and that it became part of my daily routine. Um, and then it got to the point where, you know, I would be doing a whole month long unit where it would be a strong part of it. Usually it was during February or March, which is um, heart health month and nutrition month. And so I would kind of like, you know, use the practice of yoga in, in conversations with the kids and families about, um, overall, overall mental and, um, physical well-being. And so I would culminate and I would culminate it with a big family yoga like event. And so it wound up becoming the best part of my school year. And I even had like old students of mine would come back to me or their parents would, would see me years later and be like, you know, so-and-so still talks about yoga. Like of all the things I was doing with them. I mean, yeah, they're four years old. I know you have a child around that age, right? Oh, yes. So like, you know, how much do they actually remember about, <laughs> about school when they're four? Maybe, maybe a little bit here and there. But the fact that so many kids were like, I remember doing yoga in your class. I don't know. It, it was one of those things where I was like, huh, <laughs> is this something I should be doing more of? And so, um, in 2015, I had a really rough school year. I had lots of students with a lot of high needs. Um, and I began to feel like some of those similar old tensions resurface in my body. And I, I, I was struggling to even with my practice cope with those tensions during my school day. And I just started to feel stuck. And I had lost some of my drive and passion and, um, I was just looking for something new and different. And so, you know, I went along and I, I decided I'm going to get actually certified and trained and, and learn to, to do this even better, hopefully. And obviously when I, when you, you know, when you go to training, you have an idea of what it's going to be in your head and then you get there and it's completely different or so much of it's different. Um, and so it just came after my first weekend of training, I, I just, it, I was like, I have to do this. I have to stop being in my one classroom and move into lots of classrooms. And I just had all these immediate grand ideas in my head. Like I'm going to, I'm going to teach a whole bunch of kids every week. That was my goal. And so that's, that's sort of slowly what I've been able to try to build these last few years since then. So I know that was long winded. <laughs> um, no, that's, that's like, I have so many questions from that. Um, awesome. But awesome. from, so it's, to me, so it's so interesting because I know so many people who they, they find kids yoga and it's so exciting and it's so amazing and it's really magical that a lot of people are 
I think, tempted to make it their career, but Mm. it could be really hard because it's a lot of hustle and it's not like a clear pathway and there's just Mm -hmm. so many ways you can go. So I'm just curious, like since you left your teaching job, how did you navigate that to say, okay, now I'm going to try to do this full time? Like what steps did you take and how has it been? Okay. So First of all, I didn't think that hard about it. <laughs> I guess that was, that was either mistake one <laughs> or it was the best thing ever. And I kind of look back on it as a little bit of both. It was like a mistake to leave my steady job, you know, with like health insurance and you know, like, <laughs> I mean, but who needs that stuff, right? Um, honestly, I, yeah, haha. Uh, I just, it was a good, it was a good thing for me that I knew I needed to change so badly that I was almost willing to do anything to make a change. So that was my first step was like just knowing in my heart that this was the right thing, even though I, I did assume it'd be hard. Although I'll be on, obviously like everybody, I did not know how hard <laughs> and it's, right, still hard. Right. it's still so hard. Um, but I, I didn't think that hard in the very beginning, to be honest. But then when I did make the decision, right, I, I left my job, um, I decided that the one incremental step that I could make that wasn't so drastic was to um, get a part-time teaching job. And so what I wound up doing, and it actually was quite kismet because I was working at a um, like a little um, Lutheran preschool over the summer for a camp program for a couple of years prior. And it just so happened that right when I decided that I was going to leave my full-time classroom, that the director at the summer program, who also, it's a school all year long, a preschool. And she reached out and was like, Hey, Margo, do you know anybody that's looking to do part-time preschool next year? And I was like, Oh, me, me, please. <laughs> um, and she was beyond thrilled because we had already had a relationship and it was actually in the town that I grew up in. So there were so many positives about it. Um, and even though I didn't get any health insurance and it was very, you know, um, different from what I was doing before. It was the perfect sort of like baby stepping stone where like I wasn't fully leaving my old life and a hundred percent jumping into a new career. Um, and so what I wound up doing was I was teaching preschool for in the morning from nine to 12. And then I had one gig (laughs) in the afternoon and I was teaching at a, um, at a high school for enrichment in Brooklyn and it was through little flower yoga. Um, and so Meanwhile, I had never taught high school age before, ever. Not not in any grade level, not for yoga. Um, and so I was sort of like, it felt like being thrown at the wolves. Um, luckily, I had someone there to sort of um, help me through in those first few weeks. But uh, And then when they left me, I was kind of like, okay, I'm doing this on my own now. I've got this. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to muddy, muddy my way through and make it work. Um, and it wound up being a great experience, but... So basically that, that following year, it was my part-time preschool and then my one gig. And then I had, um, I got a job teaching kids yoga at Lifetime Athletics. And so that became my second gig, right? And so like from there, it kind of just like slowly snowballed. And when I say slow, I mean slow. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it just slowly snowballed into one job, into another and, uh, the, people are enjoying it. So, so so-and-so introduced me to this person who is the PTA mom at the school. And a teacher friend of mine is, you know, has a grant program through their school that they're going to ask if, you know, they can have me come in and do yoga with their kids. And honestly, it's just, it's been that, that slow snowball. And, um, 
you know, here it is five, four and a half years later and, uh, the snowball's big now. <laughs> um, and it's, you know, it's cold, but it feels great. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a good way to put it. The snow, the slow snowball. Cause I'm just laughing because like that was my experience too. And, yeah. um, it just makes me think like, I, I think the reason why I just love kids yoga and kids yoga teachers is because we're all in this because we love it or else you wouldn't be doing it. Like it's not, if if you were in this for the money, you know, (laughs) that wouldn't last very long. I mean, laughable. (laughs) (laughs) And if you were in it for like an easy career, you know, that wouldn't work. So it just, as you were talking, I'm laughing because, you know, I've been in this so long and it, for so long, I was just so excited about it. And I'm like, I'm ready. Like I'm ready to do this, you know? And I, and it would be like, Oh, and I have one more class. And then it would be like, and that class was canceled. And then, you know, you're just constantly, (laughs) you're constantly, it is like two steps forward, one step back at times. Um, Oh my gosh, so much, but it's so, it's just so awesome to hear your journey and like how you've stuck with it and you're, you know, you're slowly planning. I mean, as you said, so seamlessly, it's like you do it because it, it fires your heart, right? Like it, it, it just fire. It it gets me excited every time I'm doing it, and it's it's different every time. It's new every time. I feel like I have so much self permission, which allows me to give the kids self permission, and um, and that it's not always easy for sure to let go of your plans and all you know the potential hiccups. And you know Johnny has a bloody nose, and you know <laughs> Stacy is complaining, or you know whatever. Who knows? Um, and I, what you were talking to, it made me laugh just like remembering in the, when I was first looking at training, I remember like looking at pictures of like kids sitting quietly doing yoga and I'm like, oh my God, that's going to be me. <laughs> and then it's like, you get into your first, I get into my very first class of high school students who are just like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> and I'm like, that's what, what I wanted. You don't want to do this? Like, right. I, I wanted to ask you about that, like to go from, to go from the jump from four-year-olds to high school, it's almost <laughs> like landing on another planet. You, you might've said that, but it's like you, that is such a different crowd. And oh not gosh. everyone that teaches kids yoga wants to teach four-year-olds. Not everyone wants to teach high school. So right. how did you, so I know you had a teacher you taught with, so you learned from that, but mm-hmm. did you end up um, finding the same joy in that age group? Like, do you enjoy working with all age groups? No. So I, no, I do. No, like when you, the first part of your question, the answer is no. Like, did I, did I find, was the joy the same? No, the joy is definitely not the same, especially not that first class. Oh my gosh. I felt so like stunted and uncool. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and just like, yeah, I mean, but, but I will say that the more I stayed with them and the more that I, the less that like I, Unless I showed up with my own baggage and just like allowed myself to be open with them, even if we didn't do a single stitch of quote unquote yoga, the more receptive they were to just like talk to me, be with me, laugh, make jokes. Like we got to a good place (laughs) throughout the class. Um, But, you know, it was a hot mess. It was a hot mess for a good (laughs) long while. And, but I I love that this memory for me because, um, and every memory truly, because it, it teaches, it teaches you so much. Like every class, I don't regret at all that I was, as you said, like landed on a different planet 
because, um, I don't know, man, it, it kind of like pushed me directly into my biggest discomfort zone. And, uh, because of that, I was forced to learn so much about myself, about an age group that felt so foreign from not just my own experience, but from all the things that I had spent so many years educating myself about, which was early childhood and, and literacy and stuff like that. And I just, um, but I, I, when I was talking about it and just thinking about it now, I can see some of the kids' faces and I can just smile so big because it's, I grew so much since then and I learned so much about age groups that I want to work with. So to answer your second question, I do, I have reached a place where I feel comfortable with all age groups and I've, I've spent a lot of time just reading about older kids, studying about them and also just giving myself a lot of experiences with them because I, I wanted to um, be able to serve all age groups. That, that was the goal, but I do have a special place in my heart for early childhood educator, uh, education kids, just like babies through seven. That's like my, my jam. I, I, I could teach that age group all day and just be thrilled. Um, but I, I do love all the age groups. I really do. I've grown to love them all for their uniqueness and for how different they are. Yeah, I could totally relate. I'm, um, very similar to you and that the young kids, it comes naturally to me and is exciting. Yeah. And, um, whereas with older kids, it's very rewarding, but mm-hmm. doesn't come as naturally. So over time has gotten better. And it, it's so funny, like younger kids, you can, to a, an extent, you can put on a certain kind of performance for them. But yeah. teenagers <laughs> forget it. Oh my it. God. They like, see right through you, you immediately. Oh yeah. And you could feel it and you're like, Oh no. You know, you could, they uh-huh. really hold you accountable. So it is, I think, a very valuable experience for anyone teaching kids yoga. If you're interested to just like try it out. And if you mm-hmm. can teach like you did with an, with a teacher who has experience and kind of mentor that, that's super yeah. helpful too. Oh, it was a game changer. It was a game changer because it's like when you go to college for anything, right? It's like, okay, I'm going to take the classes. I'm going to learn. I'm going to read. I'm going to study and write. And then you get your first job doing whatever it is you studied to do. And it's completely different from everything you learned. And so it's, it's just like anything else. You learn something, you're passionate about it. You love it. You can't wait to dive in. But then the reality sets in really quickly, especially as you said, if it's not in your wheelhouse, it isn't natural to you just yet. Yeah, I completely, yeah. I completely feel you. Yeah. The one other thing I'll say, and I love the way you put it just now, of like the kids hold you accountable at that age, is that the more you can just tell them stories. I, I find that middle school and high school age kids, they just want to know you. Even if you're weird or to them or they, you know, you're not like them, you don't look like them, you don't sound like them, whatever the situation, they kind of just want to know you. And I found, I always found that the more just really vulnerable and honest I am with them, the more open and vulnerable they are with each other and with me. Um, and that story I told you in the beginning about my panic attack in college, that's a lot of times what I open with, with this age group of kids is because you kind of want them to like be hooked on listening to you. Those first few minutes are so crucial with any age. But with mm-hmm. that age, especially, if you can kind of like get their attention with a, like a personal story that you're comfortable with sharing, I find that, and that's relevant potentially to their own lives and anxieties or issues or whatever. Anytime you can help them buy into what you're doing based on a real feeling or emotion or event or 
whatever, um, you can kind of hook them with that. They're, then they become curious. They ask me questions and I couldn't believe how many follow-up questions they had for me based on that one story. I was like, oh, okay. Like I can do this. Right. And then it's also what I've learned with that age group is sometimes the one kid in the class who you're like, they hate me. They hate this class. You end up realizing at some point, probably near the end of the semester or whatever, that they absolutely love yoga and that they've gotten so much out of it. So it's really, it's also that kind of, that practice of not taking things personally. I think you had mentioned that like earlier, but you really, if it appears like a child is, you feel like they're judging you or they don't like you. It's like, you can't take any of that personally because you don't actually know Mm -hmm. what is going on. Like that story could mean so much to them because maybe they had a panic attack. You know, maybe you just, you really have no idea. Yeah. So well said. Yeah. I just, yeah, completely. I'm just, this whole time I'm just like nodding my head. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Um, I know. I so feel you on that. And, and as you said perfectly before, it, it is really rewarding. Even when you get that kid who they don't show you that they care until sometimes, as you said, the very end, it's like, Hey, I kind of, or I practice that at home or, you know, um, I, I didn't get into a fight with my brother. I kept myself from punching so-and-so because they did this. And I, sometimes when I get those moments, I like, you kind of have to like, act like it's normal in front of the kid, (laughs) you know, like, Oh yeah. Oh wow. Look good for you. I'm so impressed. You know, that's, that's such great, amazing self-control, you know, like whatever you say to them in the moment. Meanwhile, your heart's like high-fiving your heart inside. And I'm like literally doing jumping jacks in my brain. Just like, yes, yes. exactly. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So true. I love it. Well, that, so kind of coming back to your opening story and your panic attack. It made me feel like super emotional hearing this, especially right now with Mm. what our entire planet is going through. Um, and you and I are both in New York right now. And Mm -hmm. right now the, the pandemic is really, really bad here. So we're kind of living through this darkness. Um, so I just like bringing it around to that and what's happening. I was wondering how are you, coping right now? How are you doing? And have you noticed that your own yoga practice has helped you at all? Yeah. So I said to you before we started recording that like, I was so excited to, to get a chance to talk to you and to do this podcast and thank you so much for it. It's been amazing to listen every week and um, I'm just, I feel super honored to be part of it. Um, so just, just throwing that to you, <laughs> but thank I, you. yeah, thank you. Um, but I was also in my head, it's like, oh, cool. I'm going to get a chance to talk to Jessica. I'm going to, you know, be a part of this community in a, in a really hopefully impactful way. Uh, and then I was like, oh, but everyone's struggling and suffering. And is this coming at a weird time? Do I, am I allowed to talk about things that are joyful? And I had mentioned to you too before, it was like, um, how much listening to you just talk about your own experience coping, uh, living in Manhattan, just, or just as a human being, right. Living through this pandemic, like the rest of the world. Um, is it okay to, to talk about that? And it's like, you're just being open and honest about what's going on with you during this moment. And so thank you for that vulnerability. Um, it made me feel better about being a part of this podcast or being a part of anything. Right. And, and finding joy in it when you're during this pandemic. Um, so yeah, so getting back to your question, you know, I'm coping in the way that everybody's coping the best that I possibly can. (laughs) 
And what that means to me is simply that um, every day and every moment is completely different. And I'm just kind of allowing the roller coaster to happen. I'm, I'm allowing the highs to be high. I'm allowing the lows to be low. You know, I, it's like a one moment I'm a hot mess express. And then the next moment I'm <laughs> grinning from ear to ear and like laughing at something. And um, the next moment I'm out on a walk with my dog and just listening to the birds on, on the walk and my husband's near me and I'm feeling good about life. And then, you know, five minutes later, I remember that I don't get to go to work tomorrow. And, um, you know, so I, it's, it's just a lot of up and down and allowing myself to feel and, and be in it. Um, the hardest part for me as someone who always cope with anxiety is, is trying to recommit to my own practice, but it's also been the most, I guess, silver lining part is being able to have this help me recommit to my own practice. Cause and maybe you can relate as a kid's yoga teacher. Um, a lot of times your head is all about the practice that you're trying to cultivate for the students that you, that you're serving. And, I know for me, even though I still have a steady practice of my own and I have an at-home workout practice and a whole bunch of ways that I, I, I deal with life in general, forgetting about the pandemic, but, um, you know, just being in my head mostly about what's going on with my students this week. What am I going to, what am I trying to impart to them? What, what do I think is going to resonate? What's, what am I excited about and trying to lesson plan and all of that. And the, all of this has kind of helped me to Obviously, I don't have a choice in a way, right? Stop working um, to recommit to myself in, in a sort of a new slash old way, if that makes sense. Mm, yeah. Um, you know, uh, and the hardest part, I guess, has just been watching everything that, as I mentioned before, that snowball that I was building, watching it sort of like melt a little bit. And I know that mm -hmm. sounds maybe really dark, um, but I was teaching, you know, several hundred kids a week and, and all of a sudden it was like, bam, zero kids. Um, but some of the silver linings are just, like I said, recommitting to my practice and, um, reminding me how, how the world is so much bigger than me, right? The world is so mm -hmm. much bigger than my job, my personal experience, my worries, my fears. And while I try not to ever not value and validate those things, um, just pausing, finding more time to pause and, and new things to be grateful for and, you know, leading with more self-compassion than just compassion for those around me. Um, and just remem remembering that, you know, I'm a part of this too. I'm allowed to feel sad and, uh, and worried and anxious and all those things that sometimes we try not to, to bring to our practice with our kids, our students, our, our, our people, everybody. Um, I guess, but sometimes it's the most valuable part of practice. So, uh, <laughs> a lot of this probably sounds very conflicting to you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no, um, this actually makes a lot of sense. You're putting into words a lot of what I've been experiencing, but haven't been able to articulate. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I, I but then I'm so grateful too, that for, um, technology at this point and technology and I are not best friends, <laughs> but we're getting there. <laughs> Our relationship is budding still, but you know, we're, we're, we're buddies. We're not good friends yet. Um, but I, I'm beyond grateful because it allows for us, for me, for you, for anybody to do this, to talk to people, to 
do FaceTime and I've been able to do some virtual classes with, with Yogi Beans, one of the companies I know you're very, that's very close to your heart. Yes. Um, they're yes. very close to mine as well. And uh, I loved listening to you talk to Lauren. I was literally grinning the entire time. Um, <laughs> she's so incredible. Um, and just be able to use some of the relationships that I did build in my snowball to, continue serving, continue having this purpose and, and even, I guess, learn how to do new things. That's the other big silver lining for me is that is my budding relationship with technology is getting out again, once again, getting out of my own comfort zone to explore this new avenue of reaching people. Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I, I, I wanted to like kind of talk a little bit more about the technology part. Cause I feel like every single kids yoga teacher right now, just like with many, many other jobs, especially teaching, are trying to navigate going from being a kids yoga teacher to suddenly being a virtual kids yoga teacher, which is a whole different skill set, a whole different thing. Um, Just Mm -hmm. wondering, I know it's, you know, it's been a few weeks, but if there's anything you've learned um, that might be helpful for anyone who's looking to maybe offer some virtual classes? Like, do you have any tips or tricks yeah. you've learned? Um, okay. So a few things it, for one thing, just get ready to feel really weird. Um, and what <laughs> I mean by that, I guess is that like, I feel like a little bit of a crazy person bouncing around my office, just like trying to act as if I was still in a room with kids Right. Yeah. and, and like, you know, obviously I can see them there on my screen and, um, you know, a lot of the kids that I'm teaching virtually now are, are on, on much younger side and some of them are moms with babies. And so that, that's, you know, a little bit of a different dynamic too. And the one thing I'll say is just to be super kind and patient to yourself. Um, say to the, to the parents, all right, everyone's dealing with this. And so telling them being raw and honest, I, I have found has been helpful too. Like, Oh my gosh, this is the first time I'm doing this. And I'm so excited, but I'm also super nervous about it. Let's, I, I can't wait to just like play and have fun, but, um, this is, it. I'm so sorry if anything goes wrong or if anything, we have counter any problems, but we're going to get through it together, you know, depending on the age group yeah. that you're kind of working with. Um, but with the younger kids, I find, and I found if you're working with a, a team of people or if it's just you doing it, practice, practice with a family member, someone from your house, a friend, just say, Hey, can you jump on zoom with me? And like, let me know what my positioning looks like. Let me know how I sound, um, or whatever platform you're using, right? Practice it with someone (laughs) that you're close with, that you live with, that you trust, that you're working with whoever. And just, um, as much as you can practice on the platform without being in front of kids or, or people that you're teaching, that's a really big one. And then just trying to connect with um, other people that are doing it because everybody's doing it now. And so if you can support, if you're able to do a donation-based class yourself, take someone else's class and see how it feels. What are they doing that works for you, that, that you want to steal, quote unquote? Um, it doesn't even have to be a kid's thing, right? It could just be any any virtual class. And um, I guess the other big thing I would say is, is just to um, smile a lot. That's helped me a lot. Just it just makes me feel better um, and and get close to the camera as much as possible too, especially with the younger kids. That was a big thing that when I was working with Lauren on it with the, with the rest of the Yogi Beans team, it was like with the little kids, you need to sort of keep engaging with them, keep finding ways to go up to get close, ask them to get close to you. 
And um, that way they, they keep it interested. And then, okay, head back to your mat. Let's all get into that pose that we're going to do together or let's get that breathing technique going or whatever it's going to be. Um, yeah, those are the, I guess those are my big tips. Yeah, that, I saw, no, that's super helpful. And I saw Lauren had made a little video on the Yogi Beans page and she had mentioned that kind of coming closer to the camera and totally moving away. And I was like, that's so perfect because Lauren comes from an acting background. So for her, these things probably come more naturally. Whereas many of us, yeah. you get in front of a camera and you're like, what's, what's happening? I completely freeze. Yeah. Yes. It's like, you it's can't very... feed off the energy of the kids give you so right. much when you're in person with anybody. Right. But kids, especially you, as a kids yoga teacher, you just feed off the energy and it's yes. so weird, just like, all right, I'm galloping around my office, and oh my gosh, if anyone, <laughs> if anyone of my neighbors just happen to glance over, right, right. <laughs> um, but yeah. it's funny, like we're we're all kind of forced in different ways to communicate this way, and I know I'm. I think probably a lot of people feel this way. Things like FaceTime or Skype in the past, I'm like totally avoided. It just feels super awkward to me. I don't like, you know, feeling it just feels weird. I'm like, they could see my face. I don't, but now it's kind of doing these zoom calls. Like I, we had one with my family. It's, I told my husband the other day, we talked to a bunch of relatives in Italy on zoom and we were on for a while and it was kind of chaotic and like people were talking over each other, but I saw everyone's face and I saw where Mm. they were. And, um, I, I like, you know, I brought the computer in my apartment and when we hung up, I got the sinking feeling. So I was like, you know what, Steve? I said, I actually kind of just felt like I was with them mm. in a weird way. You know, I, I, I said it was almost the same, you know, it's not the same, but it is yeah. this way right now that we can connect. And, you know, it's just emotional right now. We're all going through this and we can't even hug each other. We can't even see each other. So, yeah, you know, all I, the, the kids are dealing with this and I'm just so glad you're offering some classes for them, giving them some fun and giving their parents a little break too. <laughs> it's really too. nice. Yeah. It's so, it's so beautiful to hear you talk about. Yeah. I feel the same way about connecting with my family in that way. Um, I, and I just, it, it's like the call to serve, right? Like even though these classes are only a couple times a week and they, you know, aren't that long or I'm not leaving my own house to get to them. I, you, you do, you feel like it's not the same, but I'm still with them. They're with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and just seeing their faces and, and a couple of my schools are, are doing their classes virtually with me now and having them see each other and light up. It's just like, as you said, yeah. and I heard the emotion in your voice and I started to choke up myself because it's like, <laughs> It is so hard. And then when you get off these meetings, every once in a while, I start, I just start crying. I'm like, I, I'm happy. Mm. I'm smiling through the tears. I'm, I'm, you know, or crying through the smiles or whatever, both. And mm-hmm. it's just like, it's, it's so hard. It's so hard. But, but as you said, we're all in this together and all we can do is take it moment to moment and day by day and, and be there for each other in, in any way we can. I guess, you know, it's just, yeah, I know, I know absolutely. that I, you had just shared, I, I'm a big Glennon Doyle fan myself and I was very pumped to see oh, that. Do you just finish Untamed? Untamed? I just uh, yeah. finished it. It's so funny. Because I'm in the middle. I, oh, okay. I won't, oh, I won't give anything away. <laughs> um, no, but <laughs> she just, I mean, it's the book's phenomenal. And I just, um, when I saw that you were reading it too, I was just like, Yes. It's such an important one right now. And she, I believe I won't be giving it as she says this line and it just, 
I need to say it right now because I've been, I've made it my new mantra during this whole thing. It's the life is brutal. It's brutal mm. and beautiful combined. Life is brutiful. Mm. And I just keep coming back to that sentiment. And um, we can do hard things, right? I can quote her all day long. Yes. She's yes. Oh, I know. She's um, she's the best. Have you seen her? Every day she does an Instagram. The morning like, meeting? Yeah. Yeah. So good. So good. <laughs> oh, I'm obsessed with her and her relationship with Abby and her family. And she's so open and... Yeah, totally. Yes. Yeah, anyone, anyone listening, check out Glennon Doyle Untamed and just follow her on Instagram and yeah, you'll, you'll feel better after yes. you hear her talk. Yes, she's um, a light for sure. She really is. And it's, it's crazy to think she wrote that book, you know, and it came out before any of this happened and then it's so applicable. Um, yeah. So, so now, so we, we don't know how long this is going to go on and it's hard to imagine right now how things are going to go back to quote unquote normal. It feels like things are not going to be the same as they were in many ways. And I guess I'm just wondering, since we have time now to reflect on it, um, is, is there anything that you hope is going to be different in the world going forward? This is not a kid's yoga question, but just in general, like, is there anything that you're hoping is, is going to change after all of this is over? So first of all, thank you so much for that. I love that question. Um, obviously I think, I think there's a lot of things. I guess the simplest one is like, wash your hands more, everybody. Like, come on now. (laughs) Um, aside from that, like honestly joking aside, the biggest one I noticed for me is that I'm like a, I don't know if I'm an introverted extrovert or an extroverted introvert. I feel like sometimes it's like a, a switch goes off in me and I'm one or the other. And so what I've noticed is that a lot of times when I'm going places, when I'm taking a walk with my dog, when I'm out and about in, in our normal hustle and bustle, and you know, as a New Yorker, right? Even if you live Long Island, any of the boroughs, Long Island, we all kind of move at a different pace here. Um, and so one of the big things I'm really hoping for is that we see each other more. One thing I've noticed is that like when I'm out now, when I see, um, my neighbors or when we see total strangers, I'm like really pausing to make eye contact with folks. Um, and sometimes they're looking at me back and smiling or whatever. And sometimes they're not, they're they're not. And that's okay. But I'm like, I'm always kind of like holding them in my gaze for a minute or for a moment or two as I pass them. Um, because maybe it's just because I'm just so overjoyed to see people anywhere, even if it's from afar or like across the street. Um, but I hope for myself slash the world that we can see each other a little bit deeper. I feel like because we, because we're all going through this deeply emotional and serious thing as a, as a, as a state, a country, a community, a, a world, um, that we're all kind of noticing each other's hearts and souls a little bit differently or more deeply because we're experiencing so much deep stuff ourselves. And so I'm hoping that for myself and, and, and then I guess in turn for everybody that we can see each other a little bit better. If you know what I mean? Like not see but visually, <laughs> I guess I mean, just like totally see each other. Um, that's, that's probably the biggest one. I, I don't want to forget the fact that I'm not alone in this world or that you know, it's not just me and my family and friends that there's more people out there. Not that I consider myself a selfish person, but 
you know, I think sometimes we, we're all, we're in our own heads, we're in our own bodies, we're in our own thoughts and feelings and egos and whatever. And I'm, I'm just kind of hoping to continue to be curious about my own ability to see people. And I hope that more people see each other. Yeah, that's so, so beautifully said. It's, yeah, I, I really, I just keep thinking, you know, I, I, I don't want any of us to forget what this feels like. I don't think we will because mm-hmm. it feels like this is lasting a really long time. I know we, we don't know, you know, today we're recording, it's April 6th. We don't know, you know, how long it's mm-hmm. going to go on, but, um, I just hope we don't forget that. And I mean, bringing you back to kids, I think kids do see each other and they see people mm-hmm. all the time, you know, and they, they're, they can't help but do that. They're just, yeah, they, they are present always. So, you know, I think it's even yeah when this is over, like just, you know, noticing our children more and the kids we teach and, and just being oh, more like I, them. Really. Yeah. Um, oh, that's so, that's so powerful. I love, yeah, such a great thought because I, even, even you think, when you said the way kids are so presence is so sort of easy, maybe not easy, but it's, it's, I don't know, more tangible. They're, they're, they, they're not as bogged with as much in their heads yet, especially when they're really little. And so while they definitely feel energies and they are listening always and, and, you know, slowly starts to comprehend various things as they grow, um, there's so much that we have to learn from them that we forget as we become older and jaded and, you know, in our own heads about the way things are or the way things should be or, um, the state of things. And so it's just such a great reminder to just like slow down, pause, see each other and don't forget what it was like to physically not see each other. (laughs) Um, and, uh, oh, so, so true. Absolutely. And I, this occurred to me before, and I, I wanted to say it before I ask you my final question. But so the snowball, if we come back to the snowball, I was thinking, you know, you mentioned snowball and that it's melting, you know, that's a little dark. But then I started to think, but what happens when snow melts? It, it melts and then it evaporates and it goes mm. back up. And then what happens? It comes back in another form. So it comes back. Yeah. So even though you can't, it just reminded me of that. Like, even though for so many of us, our world, our snowball, it feels like it's all melting. It's all going. I think it, it is sad and it, it is true, but we don't know what kind of form it's going to take, you know, after oh, all of this. Thank you for yeah. that. Thank you for that. That's so, I mean, that makes me feel so good. Just, I, I never even. You know, I'm using this metaphor and <laughs> I never even thought about it that way. It's such an incredible way to, to think about the cycle of things and how, and the seasons of things and the way things can, can change so quickly, but you know, for various, for various yeah. good too. So, and that's yoga, that. right? All the, of course, yes. and that, that's all the, that's yoga, the cycles. That's what we talk to the kids about, yes. you know, and, um, so I like to always end the episodes with little kids yoga gems. So Mm -hmm. asking, um, and it could be a general piece of advice or, you know, specific to now, but anything that you would offer to anyone who's maybe new to kids yoga, what is your Mm -hmm. biggest piece of advice that you would give them? So I feel like for me, 
personally as a teacher, as someone who's been growing with this practice for a while, my gem would be to be prepared, but then prepare to let go. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is kind of like when, when Glennon Doyle, again, I'm bringing it back to her really quick, when she says that she wants her kids to simultaneously feel held and free and, you know, like safe, but also that they can let their wings spread and, and go off and they, they've got this um, in their own lives. And I just feel like for yourself as a teacher, if you're looking to get into this or try this or, or even if it's just like with your grandkids or um, with your own kids or your kids you mm-hmm. babysit for or whoever, you know, prepare yourself for it, but then be prepared to let go. So like what I mean exactly, I guess, is just like create your plans, you know, find a great training, set up proposals for schools or places you're interested that that light up your heart to work in, you know, draft your ideas, read, um, think things over, talk things over, talk to professionals, watch videos, practice, 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 but then be ready to let it all go. And kind of like what I said before about like when you get to college and you learn everything and then you leave college and then everything's not really like you thought it would be anyway. And the letting go is the best part. It's, it's the best part of a roller coaster, right? It's, or it's the best part of, you know, jumping into a pool or getting, you know, splashing in the ocean or it's, it's the freeing part. And it removes those things that hold us back, like judgment, expectations, ego, and just allows for, um, I think a more kind and curious self, um, with more awareness and, and more gift of presence. So I guess I would say just, be prepared just like you would for any job or any experience, but then be prepared to let go too. And, and sort of live in love and the letting go part. Cause I, I found it to be the most um, helpful tool for me is to remember that all the planning in the world isn't going to be worth anything. If I'm not having joy and presence in the moment with the kids, with, with myself. Yeah. And if, that- I, feel, and if I feel it, the kids will feel it, I guess is, Absolutely. And the, I mean, that's such an amazing piece of advice for teaching for life. And then right now about letting go, because that's kind of what we all have to do. We've been forced to. So thank you so much for that. And thank you so much. I'm so glad we connected. I feel like I could talk to you for hours. So maybe you can come back on. Oh my gosh, please. I would love to come back on. I could do this all day, Jessica. This was so much much fun. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Okay, thanks again. Namaste. Namaste.